This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Thank you, Pastor Tommy. Thank you. Would you turn to somebody close to you and tell them, you look a lot better than I do. Now, some of you just lied through your teeth because you don't believe that at all. And so in a little while, we give an altar call. You come running because you're a liar and you, you need to repent. You, you just need to repent. And gentlemen, I couldn't throw a slower pitch if you didn't turn to your wife. God rest you, man. You just, you know, I, I can't, you just, oh, God. Now turn to some, whoever that you didn't turn to before, look at him and say, you weren't my first choice, but I like you too. Now go ahead, go ahead. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> amen, amen. Oh, I'm delighted to be with you. I, um, my heart is heavy and it hurts with the Lyles family, dear lifelong friends, and um, with the Calvary family as well. And I, um, I honor today, I honor legacy in this house, and I honor wonderful leadership in this house. Um, I was a very young, <laughs> I was a kid when the Lyles invited me into Calvary the very first time. And to see what all God has done is an amazing and wonderful thing. And then I want to give honor and credit today to Pastor Tommy and Denora for the way they have handled this week. As a pastor, it's one of the toughest things that will ever come to a pastor. And to handle it with decorum and to handle it and make it look well and to be forthright is, is, the, is the model and the mark of maturity. Pastor Tommy, I honor you and your beautiful wife. I hope y'all get your marriage worked out where you can sit together. And uh, I honor you. And I honor you today. I thank you very much. Very much. You may be seated. If you would, uh, open your Bibles. How many of you have a Bible? Would you hold it up? Ooh, God. How many of you have an electronic Bible? You hold that one up. How many of you don't have a Bible because you have it all memorized? Would you know? The fact is, um, I want to I want to read some scripture to you. I'm not swinging for the fence today. I'm not trying to knock the ball out of the park. I want to share with you some some things in my heart that I hope will make a difference in yours, in light of where we are and in light of what's happened. So turn to the book of Genesis. Now, if you're unable to find Genesis, you really need to go to this growth track that's going to happen as soon as service is done because it's, it's, uh, it's for you, right? It's the first book in the Bible. So when you get to the word holy Bible, it's right past the word Bible. So maybe that will help you. Genesis and look at the first chapter, and let's start from verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, this is the first time we hear God speak, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning 
were the first day. I want to speak to you from that fifth verse, the darkness he called night. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch my mind to be able to think clearly, to be able to be able to receive the words that you would want said, and then touch my mouth that I can speak clearly and enunciate properly and have the ability to communicate the divine and run it through this very human, very frail piece of flesh and let it touch the hearts of the people that are before me. God, I pray for the people in front of me that they can receive the word because a seed that would fall on concrete wouldn't grow anything, but a seed that can fall into good ground can bring a harvest. Let your word direct us is my prayer. In Jesus' name, would everyone say amen? That means so be it. God made the light. Scripture says that he called it, and when he called it out and it became what he called it to be, God looked at it and said, the light is good. He divided the light from the darkness. He, he didn't want them to dwell together, so he divided them out. Now, he didn't take away the darkness. The darkness still exists. But he did something with the darkness. He divided the light out of it. Then he named the darkness and he called it night. And then he called the light day. We don't do real well with darkness, mostly because we don't see that well at night. There are some creatures that God made, some animals that their vision at night is as good some of them even better than it is in the daytime. But not so for us. We, we have a hard time with the dark because we, we don't see well. And because we don't see well, we tend to slow down a little in the dark uh, because we, we don't want to make a mistake. The older you get, you hear statements and then you'll find yourself making statements saying things like, uh, we don't get out much at night because I don't see well. I don't drive at night. Never see a 20-year-old saying that. They drive faster at night because they haven't seen enough car wrecks yet, so they don't know. The older you get, then you, 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 you let up. You, you don't know because you, you, don't, you don't see well. In fact, we try to avoid the darkness uh, the best we can. It's your house, and you know it very well, yet you'll turn on a light at night to walk through your own house because if if your wife is like mine, for exercise, she rearranges furniture. That's what she does. And, and I'll walk through what I know is a wide open space and break my leg because she decided we needed a table right there. And, I, you know, uh, she's not here, so I'm, I'm extremely confident about saying stuff like this because you don't know her and it won't get back to her. So I'm, I'm real tough at, right now, you know. We try to avoid the darkness at, at, at all costs. In fact, in your own house, if the, if the light is off and you're walking through, you, you have your hands stuck out in front of you because you're hoping another part of your sensory perception will kick in if your eyes are failing you, that you can sense the edge of the cabinet. And some of you have bruises to show when you missed it. And, and oh, you, you didn't realize it was there. We depend on our sight more than other, any other sensory perception that we have. All right, so let that stand, and that's a premise about the dark. Let me, let me take you to another premise that I want to build on, and that is the, the foundation of our walk with God is faith. That's, that's what we're told. In fact, 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote in chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So just the straightforward value of that scripture, there's a movement, there's, there's mobility, there's ambulation, we're moving, there's walking, but there's no sight. Because when you walk by faith, you don't see what you're walking in. You, you're walking there trusting in something that you don't see. 
and that pleases God. We, I, it, it, we don't know really why because it, it, he doesn't explain it all, but that is God's, that, that's the commerce that God works with is faith. He, he, he loves faith. Most of us want to see it. God, I'll trust you with anything if you'll just show me the right way and shine a bright light on it and secure my step and make sure I have enough money and get everybody right and make my wife or my husband act nice and my kids, then I'll, I'll trust you, God. That's not trust. That, that's a 100% guaranteed step. That's not a faith step. A faith step is, oh, sweet Jesus, I'm gonna put my foot down and I hope something's there. The faith step seems to be something that, that honors God. The writer of Hebrews said, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, one way you could put that is if you're not attempting something in your life that will take faith to pull off, God's not pleased. Let's try that over here. If you can figure everything out by yourself, there's no faith involved. If you're not attempting something that will require an intervention by God, God's not pleased. If you're not living in a way that makes your reliance more on God than on you, God's not happy. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it, it has to go to faith. It, 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 no matter how much we don't care for it, it has to go to faith. And then it says, in that verse, and if we do that, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You, don't ever pass up any of the words in scripture. They're all there for a purpose. Notice it said seek him. It didn't necessarily say find him. So sometimes walking and I can't see where it's going and it doesn't culminate in me getting my arms around him pleases him. And it scares the bejeebers out of me because I don't, I don't understand why I'm having to walk this. So if God has told us very clearly that the, the, the way the currency he deals with is faith, why are we so surprised whenever we have to do something by faith? We, we look to the heavens and wonder if God's angry. He's not angry. He told us that this would be a faith walk. And we say, oh, God, I trust you. Just show me the way. And he says, no, that's the part of trust is that you take the step and I haven't shown you the way. But see, because, and anytime you start your sentence with see, because, it's probably because you don't know where you are. See, because what had happened, and you're doing your best to try to, you know, see if you can, you know, English it. It's like when they shoot the basketball, and after it's left their hand, you watch them try to English it. It's already left your hand. It's either going to go in or it's not going to go in. But ah, trying to do that, it's not going to. But my walk with God often is me saying, oh, God, is I, take that one, God. You know, I haven't eaten all morning, Lord. Count this one as fasting. Oh. Uh, I hadn't had a chance to slow down, but, you know, God, I, I, I prayed a prayer, and it wasn't about me, so God, could that go down as intercession? You know, the stuff that, stuff that you and I talk about. We're not the first ones who've been asked to trust God in the dark. Faith is a growing thing. Um, faith isn't magic. Faith doesn't just appear. Just because you got saved doesn't mean that you instantly are baptized with this huge um, faith walk. So everyone is given a measure of faith, and then from that measure, you begin to walk this thing out. Because faith is cultivated by trusting God here and then trusting God there and Trusting God with a lion and then trusting God with a bear and then later you can be trusted with a giant. It's a, it's a here a little, there a little, growing step by step. Faith is cultivating something within yourself whenever, to believe when everything tells you it's foolishness to believe. 
Faith is something that must properly germinate. Just like a seed that gets dropped in the ground. Uh, anybody here ever planted a garden? Lift your hand if you ever planted a garden. Yeah, all of you have eaten from gardens, but some people have planted them. When you plant a garden, you've got a seed in your hand, the row is cultivated and it's ready, you drop the seed in the ground and then you close the ground around it and now you have to say, I don't have the seed in my hand, I can no longer see the seed, but by faith I believe it's going to come up. If someone says, what are you, you know, what's, what's going to be in your garden? No one can see anything yet, but only because you have faith in the seed, you can say, this will be a row of corn and this will be a row of okra. And it's only because you planted and you have faith to believe. It's faith that says, I believe in the God of the harvest. So let me see if I can take those two, the darkness and faith and Let's apply it to this week. Let's apply it to you, me. Faith doesn't flourish in an atmosphere where there are no challenging conditions. Because you don't need faith if you can figure it out. It's like some people who, who don't pay tithe because they can't afford it. Then, then they don't understand that it's, it's you do this by faith, and because you've done it by faith, then God rewards your faith and brings a harvest back that you could have never comprehended. But if you wait until you can afford it, then you're not, that's not faith at all. That's just good financial planning, and that's just a calculator and its ability to say, I've got this much, I'll subtract that, and I, yes, we can do this. Which That's how you buy a car, or that's how you buy a house. That's not how you have a relationship with God. That's not how you have a relationship with one another. You have a relationship with one another by faith. I, I believe she's where she said she was going to be. I believe in the love that we have to, you know, given to one another. My faith is here, and I'm, I'm trusting in her. So faith doesn't flourish if there's not something that challenges it. Because faith is needed when we are needy. It's only whenever there's a deficit in my life that I'm standing on something by faith because if there's not a deficit, I've got the ability to produce it, which is why we hate adversity and why we hate tough times. But if the faithful flee adversity, then they're going to lose the opportunity to advance to the deeper realms of faith. Every level of life that you live on, you have to test your way out of it before you move to the next level. You didn't get out of the third grade till you passed all the tests. Some of us are still in the third grade. When we stand up, the desk is still attached to our behind. We're too big for the desk, and we're standing up wearing the desk because we haven't taken the test to move forward. But we hate the test because we think the test is proving that God doesn't love us. When the test isn't, isn't about God loving you, the test is proving whether or not you learn the material. And if you've learned the material, you take the test, and then you advance to the next level. And... Faith, when we need it, is us trusting in a God we cannot track. Hear this, faith germinates in the dark. Faith, faith germinates in the night. It's, it's in the disadvantaged situation. Throughout Scripture, God is very careful to make sure that we understand that he is a God who works in the dark and that he works by faith. So Mary and my two thoughts together, can I submit to you that God refuses to be intimidated by the dark surroundings that challenge us? Another way, God's not afraid of the dark. God's not afraid of the parts and the places that we cannot see. God spoke to the dark. Remember, he said, out of the, speaking to the dark, and out of the, the womb of chaos, light is born. And remember how he said it. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then notice he said, and the evening and the morning 
were the first day. Everybody say evening and morning. Let's do it together, evening and morning. Evening and morning. It's exactly opposite from what we say. We say day and night. God says night and day. The reason he says night and day is because when God is talking about the components of a full day, he starts at the night and works to the morning. We start in the morning when our eyes open and we work to the night. God doesn't say the morning and the, e and the evening were the first day. He says it the other way around. Now, it's not just a nuance. It's a principle. God starts your day with a nighttime experience. You're not going to see daylight till you have lived through nightlight. And the dark night that you may currently be in and you think everything is wasted and it's being lost, I'm telling you it's not wasted. God's counting that as the first part of what's going to be the complete and full day. And since God isn't afraid of the dark, he'll count your night before he counts your day. So what you're going through that you think is all for nothing, it isn't all for nothing. It's actually counting to round out the wholeness of what God is putting in you. And he is counting your full day by starting with your night, evening, and morning. It's often at night when God prophesies about your day because day comes out of night. I want to encourage you. Don't be intimidated by nighttime experiences. And so many of us are so afraid when we're in the nighttime and something's going wrong that it means everything is wrong. And something's bad wrong because I can't see anything. It's not, it's not bad wrong. Everything that is there is still there. You just can't see it because it's nighttime. If the couch is there, it's there. If the, if the table's there, it's there. Even if you can't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means from where you're standing right now, you can't see it. But if your faith is in God, he can. And so you're trusting a God you can't try. Many years ago when my, my, my middle child, my son, when he was a teenager, we went through a, a little family camp thing that, was, that had a big trust exercise in the middle of it. And in this trust exercise, they, they had, and it was, you know, probably 100 people involved with it. And many of them, you know, we didn't know. They took them in groups. And, and it was trying to prove if we trusted our teen or not. And so they put bandanas around the eyes of the parent. And we couldn't see where we were going. We were only led by the voice of our teen. And you say, I trust my kid. Totally trust my kid. Blindfold yourself and tell me how much you trust them. And I could see some groups walking in. The kids were walking their parents into water, and they were walking them into the park bench. And, and I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was wild. And then, and I'm watching all that, and then I have to put the bandana over my eyes, and I'm having to listen to the voice of my son. And it's a voice I recognize and a voice I know I held him whenever he was this big, and now I'm having to trust him. When I don't trust all of his decisions, he's, he's only whatever age, 13, 14, 15, and, and I don't trust everything that he says, but now I can't see. So now, since I can't see, I have to tune in carefully to what he's saying because he's now saying, Dad, follow my voice. Speak clear, son. I, I want to be able to hear you. Dad, put, pick your foot up higher, higher, Dad. It's, the step is higher than that. And, and I ended up by tuning everything else out and just tuning in Casey's voice. I began to walk up over some things that I couldn't see, but I had trust in a voice that I could hear. And I understood something about trust. See, trust is, in many ways, is greater than love. You can love somebody you don't trust. I love my son, but I won't give him a key to our house. 
Because of his addictions, I'm not sure if he won't break in the house and steal things. So he's welcome to come to the house when I'm here, and I'll feed him, and I love him deeply, but I don't trust him. I love John, but I can't stay married to him, and it's not because I don't love him anymore. It's because when he says he's at the Firestone, I don't believe him anymore because he's broken the trust that we have. And that's why when the Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, that you're actually speaking to a faith thing where you're saying, God, I... I'm about to stick my foot out here, and if you don't show up, I'm sunk. And God says, I really love that. And I say, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. And God said, but this is not about you. It's about me. Take the... Don't be intimidated by your nighttime experience because it's not an indicator that God's far from you. It may actually be that God's closer than you think. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt after a long nighttime experience. The psalmist David wrote, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in. Notice that weeping comes before joy. Oh, I just want to feel happy again. You can't feel happy until you have watered the ground that the seeds of faith are in with your tears, and then you'll begin to grow a crop that you can now enjoy. Oh, help me, Jesus. The morning is only made brilliant by the depth of the darkness of the night before it. it, it that's the only thing that makes it brilliant is because it was so flipping dark and now, look how beautiful it is. In fact, the sunrise, it has its great opulence only whenever it's painted on a canvas of despair. If you know someone who is enjoying a great morning, and it seems like their world has come together and and it seems like it's right and it's there, you can almost, almost invariably you can find that person has just endured a great night. Because great mornings often don't come from great mornings. Great mornings often come from really bad nights. That's what makes the morning If you see somebody shouting in the morning, it stands to reason that they wept in the night. And God's not afraid of the dark night. In fact, he's counting on it. Now, not, not everyone, listen to me, is having a night experience. Some of you right now are in a, in a wonderful day, bright New, new morning, you're, you're having a great morning experience. So I'm going to tell you on that, don't let anyone intimidate you about your joy. Because if you've endured a long night, joy comes in the morning, and you've shed a lot of tears to have this morning, and you, you need to enjoy the morning. Don't waste all the night by not enjoying the morning. Enjoy the morning. Live in the morning. Be thankful for the morning. You paid your dues to have this morning. Don't let somebody in the night steal the joy out of your morning. Because you have to remember, if you're having a midday in Texas, they're having a midnight in India. So that means as this world revolves, some are going through a midnight and others are having a midday. Both are experienced at the same time. But whether you're having a night or a day depends on your position. Aren't you glad God doesn't make any double nights? Isaiah wrote, how long the night? Watchman, how long the night? Sometimes I've been in, I've been in some night times I thought, is this ever going to end? Got a couple things going right now that I'm saying, God, my bed is swimming in tears. And the scripture says, hold on, my child. Joy comes in the So if you're going through a nighttime, could I, 
as, as another night dweller, could, could I speak into that for just a moment and say, don't give in and don't give up and don't give out. Make sure you survive because daybreak is coming and the world is going to rotate again. Just hang on. As it continues spinning, remember, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. You're not the only one that's had night experiences. Paul and Silas, they were in jail because of what they did right. They were, they were in jail because they were doing God's work. It wasn't a judgment of God. They were there because they were doing it all right. Really? Seriously? I'm doing it right, so I'm in jail? Yeah, and look what happened. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. I, I think the key to some of this is can we worship God in the nighttime by faith? Can we worship him when we can't see what we're worshiping about? Maybe you ought to look at the life of Jesus. They, they hung him high and stretched him wide. The sun refused to shine. The ground began to tremble. But because, remember he could have called the 10,000 angels? See, that's what I'd have done. I'd have pulled the rip cord and I'd have had the angels show up. I, 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 you, you need to be, thank God I'm not Jesus. I'd have pulled out. I'd have quit. I'd have, I, he didn't. Why? He endured the agony of the cross and the shame, the Bible says, because he was able to see past that to the joy that was set before him. Hmm. So he hangs on the cross, enduring un, unimaginable pain, not for him, but so that I, at three in the morning, can say, God, I cannot even breathe. And he says, breathe. And on Sunday morning, he rose up with all power in his hand. And if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit. Hang on! Don't stop in the nighttime! Don't quit in the night. Oh, preacher, I'm going through hell. Then don't stop. You stop in hell, that's where you're going to end up. Don't. I don't know what to do. It, it's, not, it's not rocket science. It's, not, it's faith. It's, oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. I could, and, and some of you are saying, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, I, I can't just... Just one step. That's all I'm asking you to do is just one. Just one. Remember how, what, the, what the songwriter say? I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Cause the mountain's too high and the valley's too wide. Down on my knees is where I learn to stand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. So God uses the dark night filled with the unknown to take us to new levels. Remember when, when Paul said, Okay, this thorn, sweet Jesus, it's killing me. This is killing me. Do you, you understand? I can't breathe. This is killing me. Do you remember the answer that he got? The Lord said, I know about the thorn. Don't say anything else about it. I know about it because I put it there. What kind of love is that? Paul, without the thorn, I don't know how often I would hear from you. So I'll give you enough grace to suffer with the thorn, 
but I won't take away from you the thing that causes you to call my name. If God took every trial out of your life, how much would you pray? In fact, it's the thing that hurts you the most that actually makes you call out to God the most. God, these kids, they're killing me. God says, I know, I know, I know. God, can you fix them? No, I give them a path to fix and you show them, but they have to walk this step by step. So can you see how, can you see what the writer meant when he said, it was good for me that I was afflicted? What? Remember when, when, when Moses wrote and he said, the more that Pharaoh afflicted the children of Israel, the more they grew. Because what that would happen is that daddy would come in with his back bloody and he'd lean over to that little mat that kid was on and he'd say, you listen to me, you listen well. We may be in Egypt and you may speak Egyptian, but you're not an Egyptian, you're an Israelite. We have a God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And that because of the affliction put on them, they were able to live 430 years in a foreign land and not abdicate their position with God. Only your affliction and only your dark night calls you into the presence of God. Your day is going to come out of your night. If you're like me, I've had some severe misunderstandings in my spirit about the dark places. But it's only because I have endured some of the dark places that I have the credentials when I walk into the light to say, I have a right to be here. We wouldn't have a savior without night experiences. He wouldn't have gotten here had it not been for the night because it was at nighttime that the angel showed up and said, behold, in the city of David, there's a savior who was born. Christ the Lord. He said that to the shepherds at night. It was also at nighttime that Judas slipped into the garden and kissed him on the cheek and called him friend. Jesus called him friend when he was kissed by his betrayer. It happened at night. So can you see that it's the nighttime that actually gave you a savior? When Simon Peter tried to abort the nighttime, remember? Simon Peter jumps up and when the Lord says, I've got to go through this, he says, no, no, Lord, you, you're not going to go through it. I, I'll die for you first. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes you're not doing people a favor when you try to stop them from going through their night. In fact, rescuing people is not always a favor because when God has ordered you a midnight experience and I stop it from happening for you because I want to play Savior and rescue you and pull you out, I've actually delayed the morning that God had scheduled for you. trying to get through to somebody in here right now. You've got to go through what you've got to go through so you can get to where you have to go. Let me meddle with you for a second. I'm going to drive out of here in a couple hours and Pastor Tommy can fix all this. I love him enough to dump it all on him. Some of you are flat out messing up your kids because you get them out of everything. Mm, who should I look at here? You don't have any kids. I do. You don't have any kids? Let me talk to you because every parent's a little bristled right now because I just talked about their kid. Let me tell you why you don't have many friends. It's your kids. 
Reason we don't ask you to go out to eat because your, your kid is out of control. We don't want to sit at the table with food flying through the restaurant. That's why we don't ask you to go. So if you don't want it to happen in the restaurant, don't let it happen at home. Some of us are messing up our kids because we won't let anybody say anything to them. All that teacher has to do is say is, you know, John, Johnny's not paying attention, and you're up there with your head wagging and your finger going, I'm telling you what. My Lord, it was different at my house. If I came home and said, Mom, Mrs. Smith doesn't like me, her first question was, what'd you do? <laughs> what? No, I said, Miss Smith doesn't like me. I no, some of us, we won't let our kids go through anything. you've got to understand if you don't let them go through some fire, then they're never going to know what integrity is and they're never going to know what responsibility is because you can't grow up until you've gone through something. And Simon Peter, Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you are not doing me a favor by stopping me from going to the cross because if I can't have a crucifixion, I can't have a resurrection. One last thing about the ring. If you've not had one, just keep breathing. Keep living. But sooner or later, as the world turns, you'll have a night. May not be today, may not be next week, but it'll come. And when you go through a nighttime, when you go through a nighttime experience where you can't walk by sight, that's where you'll learn to walk by faith. There are some, oh, there's some nights, aren't there? Oh, there's some nights. The night of depression. It can sneak up on you and it can take your breath away. I wonder how long will this night last? Actually, you start thinking this night will never end. And the only way I know to survive a night is to be a person of faith. Because faith refuses to be blinded by the night. And faith argues against darkness. And faith says some crazy stuff. I know you're not supposed to say crazy, but I just did. I'm going to say, faith says some crazy stuff. Like, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What? Yeah, that's faith. That's faith that just says, my car payment is late and I still believe in him. There's a lump in my breast, and it's not gone, but I still trust in God. I'm walking with a limp, and I, 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 the limp won't go away, but I, I, I still believe. I just, I just came from the funeral. My heart is broken, but I believe. See, that's faith. That, 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 it's faith. I, I, I don't... Whew. It doesn't make any sense. They just laid me off, and I, I still trust in God as Jehovah Jireh. I can't see my way clear, but I still believe in him. Faith seems to grow on some of those ridiculous statements. Some of you in this room right now, you feel pretty isolated. And alone. It seems like the dark is just crawling up on you and it, it won't it, it won't stop it, it won't quit it, it won't back up, it won't. Remember when Moses was he was on the mountain with God and I mean it's just my words here, a little poetic license. He's holding the tablets for the law, while God is leaned over his shoulder writing the law. 
That's pretty close, isn't it? I mean, he's, 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 he's pretty close. He's, he's leaned over his shoulder, and he's, he's writing the law. And then Moses says something that is just bizarre. At the end of that, after he's got this law, he says, excuse me, one, one thing before you leave. Show me your glory. What? I, I've just been leaning over your shoulder, writing the law, and I mean, I mean that, that, how close? I mean, I'm right here. But you got to know, even Moses could see the law. The law will never be as strong as God's glory. So I got your law, and I'll walk off this mountain, but show me your glory. You remember what God said? He, he, he said clearly to him, um, you can't see my glory and stay alive. And then read, read it. Everything goes dark for Moses. He doesn't see anything. And then the first thing he does see is the back of God. Some of us think God's turned his back on us. back on you like forgot about you do you realize how close God had to be to Moses that he couldn't see him he was close enough to have his hand over his eyes so when Moses was saying it's so dark I can't see anything God was saying I'm so close that you can't see nothing but me you just don't recognize me in the dark You just don't recognize me. It's dark. You can, you, it's right now some of you are saying, it's so dark I can't see anything. Well, that's because God's probably got his hand over your eyes. doesn't mean he hates you. It means he's close enough to you that he can touch you. He's saying, I'm right here. Remember you were a kid, you woke up at night, you had a bad dream, mom, daddy, and they'd come running in the room and they'd usually say something like, I I'm here, I'm right here. And that's all, sometimes that's all I need to know you're here. But you need to know sometimes when God isn't answering, it's not because he's far from you, it may be because you're in the middle of a test and the teacher is always silent during the test. He may actually be right there. He may have his hands over your eyes. Man, it got dark here the other night. I don't think Allie even meant to turn that dark night on for us, but boy, it got dark. And while we're in the dark, let's don't doubt God just because we're in the dark. God's just as close as he ever was. And if we'll wait just long enough in the dark, we're about to see a side to God we've never seen before. God wants to reveal himself to some of you. You've been in the dark. You're in the darkness of a relationship that's gone off the rails. You're in the darkness of your children are ripping your heart out. You're in the darkness of decisions that you've made that you're having to now live with. You're in the darkness of you can't see anything and you don't know what to do. I just came to tell you, God's not afraid of the dark. Darkness doesn't scare God. He does some of his best work in the dark. It was the blind man that said, I don't know what he looks like. All I know is that he touched my eyes and now I see. He had no clue how the miracle unfolded until the miracle was already done. That's you, that's me. I have no idea until it happened. And then I can say, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. I believe 
you believe? Can that be in your spirit? I believe you're my portion. I believe, you hear the words, I believe, you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I you mind closing your eyes for just a moment? Nobody looking, just me. I just want to ask an honest question. I hope you'll give an honest answer. If you're in one of those nighttime experiences, just nighttime, nobody's looking, just me. It wouldn't even matter, but nobody's looking. Slip your hand up if you've got a nighttime going on right now. Just, just, just raise your hand. Oh, Jesus, there's honest people all over this place. Nighttime. Dark, dark, dark. Can't see. Don't, don't know. Don't know where my next foot step is going to fall. Don't know what I'm about to step on. Don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Don't know how I'm going to step out of it. I have no idea. Did you know all those words are actually words describing a walk of faith? I have no clue. God says, of course you don't. That's what faith is all about. I don't know how it's going to work. God says, I know you don't. That's why you're trusting me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. That's what I, that's faith. I'd like you to do one more thing for me. I'd like everyone to stand, and if you raise your hand, have the courage right now to step out and come to the front. I'm going to pray for you before I walk out of here. Just come stand across the front. Just going to have a prayer for each one of you, just across the board, believing that God's got his hand on you. Come on. If, if, if you've got that nighttime going on, I want to introduce you to a God who's not afraid of the dark. I believe you're my. Die.